Welcome to Fresh Off the Boat. I'm delighted to uh, be chatting with Divij Punwani, who we are reconnecting, I don't know, after how many years now, Divij? 2006, maybe? More than a decade. Yeah, more than, more than definitely a decade. So, uh, you know, it was interesting because I remember meeting you and visiting Lucknow to reconnect yeah. or rather meet your family and other students yeah. back then. Uh, it was just fun learning about aspirations, not just yours, but also your parents and those conversations are really memorable and i know it was a very hard decision to go to yeah. city university new york there were so many constraints and you really yeah. wanted to keep everyone happy at home how was it like finally when you got there settling in on campus to in 2007 new york yeah. was a very different <laughs> place back then <laughs> yeah i it's an interesting question because it was in many ways it was the exact opposite of what i thought i wanted right like i I mean, you're coming from a small town. You want to keep that sort of small town feel, which is why, uh, you know, we we uh, it was between uh, City University and Claremont, and and those those two schools can't be um, uh, more different. Uh, so, in many ways, I I I I didn't know what to expect. Obviously, you go from Lucknow to New York, downtown New York, which is just you know a crazy change. Um, I think. Uh, in in many ways, I was pleasantly surprised because I didn't think I I would like it as much as I did, um, and you know just because I, I I told myself that I would keep an open mind about most things, uh, I found it pretty uh, quick to integrate, and you know have I had a pretty close circle of friends pretty soon, I was doing fairly well academically, which was good, uh, so I think all things considered, while the transition was a bit you know, tough, especially in terms of, you know, living in, um, I had to find my own place very soon. Um, I was living with my sister initially, and then, you know, had to find my own place, which which was uh, a bit of a tough transition and a quick transition. But I think, you know, all of these things eventually in hindsight teach you, teach you life skills, which are, which I value far more today than just, you know, the, the academics, which, which is always a moving target. Yeah, so Baruch, uh... College, uh, the business school in City University uh, is pretty much located near Times Square and all the hustle that you see in New York. Uh, yeah. So, what what is uh, what was the academic scene like? Were, were there many uh, faculty members who were also practitioners in the industry yeah. or banks and other industries? And what was good and not so good about the education there? Yeah, very much so. So, I think in terms of so the way. Baruch was established, and the way it um, uh, it it kind of kind of gained its its fame, so to speak, was as one of the best value for money schools. And I think in many ways it did that because from day one it was very sort of focused on employability and making sure that at the end of it you have you know a job that will potentially propel you to um, the the middle of the middle class, so to speak. So the the profile of the student there, which I didn't know at the time, by the way, was um, very different from what you might see at a at a at a at a private university. So a lot of people were going to university for the first time, etc. So you had a lot of practitioners. It was very much uh, more. Uh, it was very much oriented on um, applicability of what's going on. And I was there at a very interesting time because I I started in 2007, and in 2008 the financial crisis happened. So you were kind of living history as it happened in the epicenter of it, which was good and bad. Because at the end of it, you, you were thinking to yourself, "Wow, is this really what I want to do?" 
and but at the same time it was in history unfolding in front of you so that was quite interesting um and and i guess uh, you know it was very much finance oriented so you had a lot of uh, you know alumni that that were at all the big banks etc uh working across functions so it, it it wasn't very difficult to find uh, a Baruch alumnus at one of your internships or, or, or you know, career fairs, etc. So then choosing to study more of finance and other things. Yeah. So how did it pan out in terms of making a choice for a concentration in the business school? And what yeah. opportunities did you lap up in terms of internships, projects, yeah. eventually, you know, your journey towards yeah. the career? Yeah, so I was, I was quite active about that from day one. I'd actually come in thinking about becoming an accountancy major. Uh, and I don't know, it's, it's a bit it's, honestly, it's a bit perverse to think about it now, but because because of all of the things that were happening in finance in the finance world at that point of time and all the turmoil, it kind of drew me towards that. It's quite quite strange to think about it that way. Um, and I just thought it would be the most intellectually challenging as well. So I did a, I, I majored in finance and minored in uh, microeconomics. Um, so, so I think I, I just thought it would be the most intellectually challenging at the same time. But at the same time, uh, what I really enjoyed about that whole experience was the fact that, you know, the first two years of your liberal arts curriculum meant that you could take stuff like theater, art history, et cetera. And I would say that even now, my my favorite class and something that's really stuck with me was art history. And I've, I, 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 despite the fact that I studied finance and economics, et cetera, what I really love and I love to talk about is art and the history about art. So Fantastic. And being in New York, cool. obviously, yeah. probably was a great place oh, yeah. to be in for all the museums and exhibition openings yeah, and other things. Super. So. Uh, if you were to look at other things that you did, like study abroad in Vienna yeah. and then did a master's at LSC, uh, those decisions were kind of pre-mediated or, or you just stumbled upon what you thought could yeah. be good options? And what were the reflections yeah. from those experiences? So um, let, let's, let's, let's take that one by one. Uh, so in terms of study abroad, I think that was always on the cards. So the program that I was in in Baruch was uh, called the the Honors Program. So uh, you know I got a full ride. Plus they gave you free money to study abroad. So I thought this is something I should really lap up. And you know in many ways, apart so you know we were mentioning that art history class, um, and I figured that the the other place apart from uh, New York that has all that history and culture and art is Vienna. And I had my options were basically because I did it in junior year, which is unconventional. Um, uh, my options were either Seoul, South Korea, or Vienna. And I hadn't been to Europe before, so I thought, you know, this would be a good chance to sort of study in one of. And and obviously, um, the Vienna University of Economics and Business is 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 just a great school, one of the best European um, schools for business. So. Uh, it was a pretty easy decision to make. So, you know, six months in Europe, traveling around, um, uh, you know, learning from some of the, we had professors that were super international, much more academic in its delivery than, than what I was used to. Um, so so it was, it was pre-meditated in ways because I knew I wanted to study abroad, but I didn't know that, you know, it was going to be Vienna until, it, until the two options were presented to me. Um, in terms of in terms of the LSE, I think I knew that I wanted to do a graduate degree. Obviously, um, I didn't know when that would happen. 
uh, I had initially thought I'd, that I would obviously work for a few years and then potentially do an MBA. Um, but at the time when I started looking for jobs in the US, nothing really was. I, I just I just felt like to be to be very blunt, I just thought I'd end up underemployed because you know it's post financial crisis, H one Bs are hard to come by. You know, most of the most of the roles were in sort of front office finance, uh, sorry, front office client facing roles, and I just thought I could do a lot better. So it, even though I graduated with a three point nine GPA. Uh, plus like a bunch of internships and extracurriculars, et cetera. It was just, uh, I was at the, a little sort of taken aback by the opportunities available. At the same time, uh, you know, I, I started speaking with Rajat, who, who I remained very close with. And at the time, he, he started working at Bain. Um, so I started looking into Bain. I started looking at all the consulting firms and I started getting interested in it. And then I figured that, um, that that wasn't that wasn't something that was that wasn't an option that was really available to me immediately coming out of Brook because there's no on, on campus hiring there from uh, most of these management consulting firms. So I started looking online and figured that the best option at this point is to do a master's degree. Uh, and Europe is pretty good for pre-experienced masters. So shopped around a little bit, narrowed it down to London Business School, the LSE, and there was one more school in Madrid. I think it's called the Institute of the Impressa. Um, applied to the LSE, got in, and uh, that was, that was a, and I think that was probably one of the most defining years uh, of my life. Uh, met some of my closest friends. I think that the, in terms of just the caliber of people, plus the plus the 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 way it's uh, in in many ways it's, it's a research focused institution. Right? So it's much more academic, and it teaches you a very different skill set than than what I was uh, uh, than what I was, what I was learning at Brook. So so that's kind of the pathway. Sure. So I think continuing your education and management and also had something in governance uh, and being yeah. in this capital, like one of the capitals of the world, yeah. uh, definitely would have been interesting. And I now know that you are based in London. So obviously uh, you've kind of circumnavigated the world, yeah. or a lot of the Western world, let's just say, and yeah. ended up now being in London. So the industry you're in, uh, which kind of combines education, education management, out of tech and other things. Tell us a little bit more uh, about the work that you do and your views on education, given many yeah. many industries are under sort of review in times of yeah. COVID. Yeah, so so just, just as a, a quick background, I, I started off in, in management consulting uh, and uh, I'm working for one of our ex-clients now. Uh, and it's it's at the confluence of of private equity and education. So um, I'm working with it with a PE fund in London called Actis on a a buy and build project in uh, in in Africa, which is called Honoris United Universities. So it's a network or platform of of higher education institutions across Morocco, Tunisia, South Africa, and Nigeria. Um, and essentially, I work on corporate strategy, mergers and acquisitions, digital, and other key strategic initiatives for them. Uh, so that's a bit of a, a bit of a background. Uh, in terms of in terms of our position or, or what we think about uh, 
you know what's what's happening in education especially higher education i think in many ways if you read a lot of the stuff that had been happening for years in any case right these are long term shifts that were happening so move towards digital the future of work changing industry 4.0 the the entire skill system that we need uh needs to adapt because the industry that graduates are going to look at uh or the industrial makeup and the kind of workplace they're going to look at was going to be vastly different anyway right the the view that we have is that covid's just acted as a catalyst to kind of push things along um in a direction that we were already headed so what's happened is in many ways it's it's been a shock to the system because we've been doing things in a conventional sort of offline manner for for many years now since the 70s where you know the, the focus in industry 2.0 and 3.0 was more towards making making sure that there's standardization and people can work on an assembly line or you know uh, carry out everyday tasks the that is something that pretty much can be automated at this stage now so the skills that you're going to need coming out of university or even uh school are going to be vastly different from what people have been used to so that's kind of what our focus is on now where instead of just looking at the content we're teaching which will continually be be re, uh, reviewed we're now looking at how do you sort of instill more technical soft skills and the ability to sort of uh, uh learn flexibly and lifelong so it's not the case now where you finish a four year degree you go into the workplace and then it's just sort of on the job training you continually have to upskill and reskill so the lifespan of that of that knowledge that you've gained has shortened considerably and will continue to do so well said i think uh, very good insights uh, for anyone who's listening uh, well many colleges are reopening in some form yeah. hybrid in person optional yeah. in person yeah uh so there's a lot of confusion out there but uh each one of those universities are definitely uh have a digital strategy in place now by yeah. default so yeah. uh yeah let, let's see how the students adapt to it but yeah listening yeah. to you and also maybe inviting you to a future panel will be interesting on yeah, this topic absolutely. great so now let's uh, switch gears and i know you have uh, lived in london you're currently there too you have worked in africa and in other parts of the world uh yeah. what is this global mindedness given you uh, as strengths what would you attribute your strengths to given the experiences you've had so which three strengths would you identify with um, just like a rapid one. oh um i think uh, flexibility adaptiveness and I think the what the global mindset helps you do is just really broadens your mind to the extent where you don't come into any situation uh with a preconceived notion which if you haven't had that experience I feel is very hard to shake off. Great. Another one uh is think about embarrassing moments in high school in China ages ago or college or at grad yeah. school or at work. Uh, yeah. what were the reflections from the learning uh, from 1 to 3 <laughs> such mistakes failures embarrassments yeah i mean uh, there's several that come to mind nothing nothing too embarrassing i think but at the same time uh, i think what you learn which is very interesting is you learn to take yourself less seriously 
uh, and you learn to sort of have a dialogue with people that's more familiar and informal than, than it is formal, which I think is very important. So if, if, if you go through life and you go through several circumstances, just mortally terrified of being embarrassed, that's not going to be a good look. So, so I think it's, it's absolutely fine. And I think you should, in many ways, actively almost seek out embarrassment so that you own it. <laughs> well right? said. And I think, yeah. I think it happens to a lot of people going overseas for the first time. You always sort of, especially in social situations, et cetera, you're embarrassed. But if you actually own that situation where it's evident that, that you know, you, you or, or shake it off, where you show that it, it, it isn't really um, uh, rattled you, I think that's uh, people will appreciate that and, and gravitate towards you. Well said. I think this is kind of circles back to my first question, actually. How yeah. do you really settle in in a new environment? And if you go yeah. with this attitude, it can, you know, you can always, you don't have to be apologetic, but you can explain, yeah. you know, where you're coming from and yeah. you don't need to be embarrassed. So that's great advice. So with that, uh, Divij, uh, I would want you to uh, share some insight uh, on uh, what you wish uh, about your life and your journey suppose there was a fortune teller <laughs> who tell you and what would you do differently as a high schooler preparing for this journey mm. so i think uh good question now generally speaking my motto is to embrace uh ambiguity and not have any regrets every time i look back at like the last five years the last five years and if i put myself at that point of time five years ago to think about what I would be doing and where, where I would be. I, there's just, there's no way I could have, there's just no pathway in which I could have seen myself end up in this way or that way, right? So um, I think it's very important to embrace the opportunity set that you have at that point of time, at a given point of time, and just go in one direction or the other, knowing that there are no sort of um, whole positives or whole negatives that come out of it. That's, that's it's, it's, it's what you sort of make of it. Uh, in hindsight, uh, especially if it was like it, in, in terms of choosing a place to study, um, if you want to, it depends on what you're after, right? So if you want the most straightforward path to a great career, et cetera, I mean, think of, think of, and let's talk about education. Think of education as a consumer good. You want to buy the best one you can afford, the best brand. You know, there, I was reading something recently where, uh, it was uh, someone was talking about how the ultimate consumer good and the ultimate brand isn't isn't Hermes or Jaguar or Ferrari. It's actually MIT or Harvard, right? So if you can make that happen, make it happen. It'll be a much more direct path to all of the hopes, dreams, and desires that you might have. I've taken a much more indirect route, uh, but I've, I've, I I wouldn't say I have any regrets. Because the the journey has been well worth it. I might have, you know, lost a couple of years here and there, you know, just kind of figuring stuff out. But I I, I embrace the iteration of it, which has made me very uh, very comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Thank you for uh, such an honest uh, answer and so sharing so many insights. I'm sure uh, uh, viewers and listeners. Uh, would be happy to sort of or rather would be interested to follow your work and if there are questions coming away i'll yeah. post them to you Please. so let's yeah. stay in touch absolutely thank I love you. you thank you thank you so much